Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Inujia-Dean. Today is Wednesday, July 13th. Coming up, Kansas churches are joining the fight over an election that could remove abortion rights from the state constitution. We've been able to work together um, really person to person, church to church, and uh, community to community to make sure that we educate as many Kansans as possible. Plus, wheat has been in high demand since Russia invaded Ukraine and choked off the global supply. And prices have skyrocketed. But farmers in the Great Plains may miss out as drought impacts their wheat crops. The prices are good, but if you don't have anything to sell, it doesn't really matter what the prices are. So, But first, some headlines. Kansas City will beef up the police presence in Westport and elsewhere in an effort to curb gun violence. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more from City Manager Brian Platt. Following a shooting in Westport that left one person dead and five injured Sunday night, Platt said the city needs to prioritize reducing gun violence. Platt said one immediate change residents will see is an increased police presence in busy areas like Westport. There are going to be more police cars, police officers, police apparatus, and all types of things related to the police in those high pedestrian traffic areas. Platt also said the city is looking to increase the number of, quote, violence interrupters as another approach to curb gun violence. COVID-19 cases continue to rise in the Kansas City area. KCUR's Rachel Schnelli reports. Kansas City, Missouri reported more than 900 new cases over the last seven days. That is a 17 percent increase compared to last week and nearly a 40 percent increase from two weeks ago. Clay County is seeing a similar increase in cases. In Kansas, Johnson County saw a 16 percent increase in cases from week to week. Hospitalizations, however, remain low across the region. Case numbers are likely undercounted as most at-home tests are not counted in official numbers. With school starting in just over a month, Kansas City public schools are trying to recruit more bus drivers. The district is offering a $2,000 signing bonus and a more than $18 an hour starting wage for new drivers. Standing in the bus depot, District Director of Transportation Chris Walls said the hiring push comes after local districts struggled to find enough drivers last year. This push needs to be kind of a year-round effort is what we're learning in in this new economy. So back in May, started this active recruiting model to where even if we get to 100% strength, we're going to continue to recruit. Wall says the district needs to fill about 25 positions. If they can't find enough drivers, Wall says they'll get kids to school by making bus routes longer. On August 2nd, Kansans will vote on whether to remove the right to an abortion from the state constitution. The amendment has drawn the support of conservative churches across the state. Dylan Lyson of the Kansas News Service has been reporting on the issue. Here's a conversation with him and editor Stephen Caranda. Voters will decide on August 2nd whether to change the Kansas Constitution to say it does not include the right to abortion. I've personally seen signs advocating for the amendment in places like outside of churches. Uh, Dylan, why are churches getting involved in this specific issue? Well, many churches across the country have long advocated for anti-abortion policies, uh, the most obvious being the Catholic Church. And uh, the churches in Kansas are no no different. Um, This upcoming vote is a really big one, and it's going to determine the future of abortion rights in Kansas. 
But there are limits, am I right? I mean, churches can't be too politically active or else they risk losing their tax-exempt status they have under federal law. Am I right? Yes, that's true. Um, generally, they are. there's a lot of restrictions on what they can do, uh, specifically for elections for when candidates are running for political office. Uh, but this election's different because it's a legislative issue and a ballot measure, and the IRS says churches and charities have more leeway when it comes to ballot measures. I see. So since they can advocate in this instance... I mean, what are they doing? How are churches getting involved? Uh, well, you'll see a lot of purple signs outside churches urges, urging people to vote for the amendment. And the Catholic Church has also donated uh, $500,000 um, to the coalition supporting the amendment. But other churches are having rallies like Central Christian Church in Wichita. Uh, the church held an event there where Matt Schlapp, who's the chairman of the American Conservative Union, and his wife Mercedes campaigned for the amendment in the church's sanctuary. Um, during the event, Mercedes said God is giving them the power to win the election. He knows us. He knows our hearts. And he's also given us great talents to go out there and, and take this cause and, and really convince people to go out and vote. Uh, this is a moment in time that we can really make a difference and be ready uh, to take this on and win in August. Do we know how much this support from the churches could really help? I mean, does it seem like it could have a big impact in the campaign? Oh, yeah. The, the Christian organizations that are publicly backing the campaign are associated with hundreds of churches across the state. And, and that's a pretty significant institutional power. Um, Danielle Underwood uh, of the coalition campaigning for the amend, amendment, uh, she told me the churches have a good organizational structure to help spread the word. We've been able to work together um, really person to person, church to church and uh, community to community to make sure that we educate as many Kansans as possible about the truth as the values in both amendments. Do we know if all churches are on the same page when it comes to this issue? Are they all supporting the effort to amend the Constitution? Um, no, there's actually plenty of churches that are using the same political free freedom to advocate against the amendment. Um, Laura Andrews, uh, she's a senior pastor for St. Paul's United Methodist Church in Lenexa. Um, she told me she's voting against the amendment. Um, and her church recently, her church council recently voted to post signs on the church's property opposing the amendment. So churches appear to be divided on this issue, just like the rest of Kansas. I know the election is coming up in August, but I also know a lot of people don't typically vote in primaries. Who's allowed to vote on this constitutional amendment? Well, all the registered voters in Kansas will be able to cast a ballot on this issue, regardless of their political affiliation. So if you're an unaffiliated voter, that means you can cast a ballot on this issue. Um, you know, normally primaries are used for uh, Republicans and Democrats to uh, nominate candidates for office, but this is a statewide measure um, for everyone to consider. So, But also, if you're an unaffiliated voter, you can um, join a political party at the ballot box to vote in their primaries as well. That was reporter Dylan Lyson and editor Stephen Caranda. KCUR's Kansas News Service is a collaboration covering health, education, and politics across the state. Hot, dry conditions are scorching wheat in the Great Plains, and it's predicted that harvests will be significantly lower this year. That comes as the world desperately needs wheat. Supply has been down since Russia cut off Ukrainian exports, and prices have shot up. But a smaller wheat crop means Midwestern farmers might not be able to cash in. Harvest Public Media's Elizabeth Rembert reports that even with high prices, farmers could lose money this year. It's a hot, dry day in Kansas. 
hot and dry enough that a wildfire is burning ready to harvest wheat about 150 miles from Chris Tanner's farm in northwest Kansas. See how this guy is just kind of, I don't know, what do you want to say, tinted, maybe? It's not bright blue. That's from the fire down at Garden City. The U.S. Drought Monitor says almost 70% of the Great Plains are at least abnormally dry. Much of the region has been behind on rainfall since about September, and now heat waves have baked what's managed to survive. Usually, Kansas is known for its fields of waist-high golden wheat. But this year, the blistering conditions have scorched some of the crop into short, patchy straw. Standing in one field, Tanner wonders if it'll even make it through harvest. I mean, like this head down here, there's going to be nothing in it. It'll blow out the back of the combine. You can see the seeds kind of exposed there. It'll shatter out even before we get here. It's fields like these that have led industry groups to predict steep declines in wheat harvests this year. The crop in Kansas may go down by 100 million bushels, a 30% drop. Oklahoma's harvest is expected to be half of what it was last year. In Nebraska, extension agent Amanda Easterly regularly speaks with wheat farmers. She says they face drought, hail, and fungal diseases this growing season. I've heard of a number of farmers who have a good chunk of their fields zeroed out by the insurance adjusters. It's patchy in some places, but I, I don't think anyone's fully escaped everything. Joseph Glauber with the International Food Policy Research Institute says it's coming at a particularly bad time. The world's been low on wheat ever since Russia cut off Ukrainian grain exports. Wheat was tight to begin with. All of a sudden, you know, Ukraine has five to seven million tons of last year's crop that normally would have been marketed by now that's stuck inside the country. So you look at the wheat market, then you think, OK, well, who can make up this grain? Maybe not the Great Plains. The dry conditions mean wheat farmers won't be able to contribute as much to short supplies. And they might miss out on historically high prices. Wheat's price tag has shot up more than 50 percent this year. But as farmer Chris Tanner knows... Prices are good, but if you don't have anything to sell, it doesn't really matter what the prices are, so... On top of that, high fertilizer and fuel prices have made it pretty expensive to grow crops lately. As Tanner looks out over a field, he calculates what it took to raise this wheat. Throw 50 bucks out there for rent. Uh, I said I put a, a 100 pounds of fertilizer out. Well, right now, current price of fertilizer is a little over a dollar a pound, so there's $150. Uh, your herbicide expense uh, is going to be about $10. Harvest expense, uh, approximately $40 an acre. Drilling expense, $20 an acre. Add that all up? He shelled out at least $220 an acre. And with the drought, Tanner is expecting to get less than half the wheat harvest he usually does. So even with wheat fetching around a historic $11 a bushel, he's likely to lose money on that field. You see, we've, we've rapidly wound up in the hole. Lower harvests mean wheat prices could get even higher, pushing up prices for things like bread, flour, and pasta. Bill Lapp is an agricultural economist in Omaha. We're going to have the smallest crop, the hard red winter wheat crop, since 1963. It's made a bad situation worse. And, you know, the cure for high prices, of course, is high prices. Coming up short in the face of global wheat scarcity isn't just a missed paycheck for farmers. It's personally disappointing. Farmers know the world desperately needs wheat. 
but Tanner says they can only do what Mother Nature allows. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Elizabeth Rempert. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin, Byron Love, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Dylan's story about churches and abortion rights, and Elizabeth's story about the Midwest wheat harvest, visit kcur.org, where you can find more news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Chillicothe, Missouri's claim of being the home of sliced bread is something the town itself didn't even really know about until recently. When we first started this 20 years ago, my own family said, Dad, you're, you're embarrassing us. I mean, they just thought, they, they thought this is silly, but interestingly enough, they don't say that anymore. How Chillicothe discovered its role in the birth of a culinary revolution on the latest episode of the podcast, A People's History of Kansas City. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app.